We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Miller for three. Oh, he backed it in. He backed it in. And the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Warren lets it fly. Yes. T.J. Warren is not human. Ranger catches, shoots for three to win it. He hits it. To go. Brogdon for three. Let's Got go. it. O'Neal drives on Yao, puts it in. Duarte for three. Boom, baby. Anthony attacks. Hibbert denies him at the rim. Karis LeVert. People don't realize how good he really is. LeVert. Skies high for the jam. Stevenson passes into Sabonis for the basket. Jackson turns, fires, and hits. Oh, wow. Turner bringing that smoke. Flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and hits! This is TJ McConnell, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace, and you guys are here for part two of the mailbag. Fachi, how's it going, brother? Hey, doing well, doing well. Love hearing from you guys, so keep the questions coming. Absolutely. So we're going to hop on over to Instagram. We've got that Shady Buffalo podcast, a.k.a. David Cole. He said, what uh, does the team store do with a player's jersey that's been traded? Do they sell them at a discount asking for a friend? Oh, yeah. You can find them in the bargain bin. Slap a little uh, discount tag (laughs) on them and uh, they might be there for a while. I remember when I was living in New York and um, Devin Harris got traded from the Nets. I mean, those jerseys were there forever. So with the Pacers, I, I, I can imagine finding them in uh, in a little corner that's discounted. Do you remember how much they marked down the Oladipo jerseys whenever he was traded last year? I do not. See, I don't either. I'll have to look that up for you, David. Um, I know I talked to you about this in person, actually. So, um, But I know that you're looking for a certain player's jersey if he is to be traded um, just because, you know, It'd be cool to have one. I mean, I mean, he's been a part of the team for a little bit, so uh, I can see why you'd like to have his jersey. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have to look into that for you and let you know like how much they come down. But I'm assuming they'll probably come down at least fifty percent, and uh, if you wait long enough, even probably seventy-five. But I will be curious with the new city edition jerseys if one of those players is dealt, what will those be like? Because those are like one hundred and sixty right now, 
and I'm not sure exactly uh, how much it would come down in terms of price uh, once a player is traded. Yeah, no, that'll take some time. But, yeah, I would imagine like a quick 35% discount that just continues to build upwards and upwards to 50 and then like 60-plus. So Absolutely. Give us some time. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's move on to Fester35. He's got, once again, three questions for us, Fachi. So this is going to be questions 15, 16, and 17. So question 15, he said, what position do you project Isaiah Jackson to play for us going forward? I view him as a power forward, and his ability to develop an outside jumper will determine which big we pair next to him. Yeah, I strongly view him as a power forward as well. I, th- I think this is someone that, you know, Say Sabonis was a center. You could try and have, you know, start alongside him. Um, he's working on that shot. Um, great, great shot blocker. I think he's a good rebounder. Um, so I see him more as a power forward than I do as a center. Yeah, he's a little bit too small and frame for mm-hmm. me to be a center. There's times where you might be able to play small ball five with him, but we saw how that looked in Minnesota early on. Obviously, he's not had that full offseason to get his body right, but I don't think it's really going to matter what he does determining determining which center they keep because I think they're going to make a decision on the center before Isaiah Jackson's really a part of the rotation. So it just depends on where they view him at and how well he develops over the offseason because if he comes back next year and doesn't look like he's made a massive jump, he's going to be probably with the second unit at most getting spare minutes. Um, He's going to take some big leaps. I think that there's plenty of potential there. He's young exciting young player that we're looking forward to watching, but he does one thing well, and that's block shots. And that's what Miles Turner already does. So, you know, I think that if you had them both on the floor, that that'd be really awesome because the defense would be great. But if you were to trade Miles and keep Sabonis, I think that he could fit nicely to Sabonis too, because he has that ability to protect the rim. But uh, question number t- uh, 16 here from Fester. Why does Duarte sit close to the assistants on the bench? Has he asked to sit there or was he put there purposely? I see flashes of Brandon Roy in him. He was an older rookie at 22 when he entered the league. I'm just going to go off of, I would imagine that from what we've heard of how coachable he is, that he's probably liking, you know, some assistance on a few things that maybe he might've missed. Maybe that's why he's sitting next to the assistant coaches. Um, Look, we would be very lucky if he was anything close to Brandon Roy because Brandon Roy was a truly special player and, uh, you know, I, I think was a far better ball handler in my opinion, but you know, that's, that's a really good. I mean, if he could live up to Brandon Roy, that would be unbelievable for this franchise. No. Yeah. I mean, if we can get him to become Brandon Roy, well, good grief. <laughs> yeah. We'd be winning some of these close games at that yep. point. Right. You know what I'm saying? But you never know. I mean, he's only 24. He started basketball when he was 14 years old. So he's only been playing for 10 years give the kid a little bit of time to develop. Mm-hmm. Still, I know that he's an older rookie, but we can't pigeonhole him for that and just say, well, he's old, he's reached his, you know, limits. Like, no, I don't agree with that. I think he's got plenty of time to continue to develop as a player. But um, with that being said, I, I think that Fachi hit the nail on the head. Pretty much he's a sponge when it comes to absorbing all the stuff he can, all the information he can, and he wants to get better. So um, I, I believe it was on uh, the Hardwood Knox podcast if I'm not mistaken, Caitlin Cooper was a guest on there, and she talked about the relationship that Duarte has developed with DeMontis Sabonis and the chemistry that they have with one another. And I think that we're starting to see that. Um, if there's anybody that you really want to, like, team up with on the offensive side of things to get better with, uh, Sabonis is the guy on this Pacers team if you're Chris Duarte. And they've developed a good relationship off the court as well. So I, I definitely think that he is just trying to figure out the best way to assert himself to be successful 
with this offense. Fachi, anything else you want to add to that? Are we good to move on? Good to move on. All right. And question number 17 here from Fester 35, last one of the three, said the goal is to get younger but compete. While we've seen players like Brandon Ingram, De'Aaron Fox, and Jalen Brown get their max deals, what type of players could be had on those cheaper deals like Jermaine O'Neal and Victor Ladipa were before coming here? He personally likes Marvin Bagley and Colin Sexton. I mean, I think, I think Bagley and Sexton are two good names that probably do need to change the scenery that I think the best is yet ahead for them. Miles um, Bridges is someone who's the next young guy to hit the market after Charlotte couldn't agree to a deal. However, I do not expect the Pacers to be in the running. Um, Kelton Johnson on the Spurs, someone I've named before. I promise you, this guy, he's a stud in the making. No one really talks about him. He's not on TV too much. Anthony Simons, we've talked about. I think that he, I continue to rave about him. I think he'll be heading towards free agency. So Portland maybe could, you know, include him in a trade. Who knows? Cam Reddish, we've talked about. I think those are young guys that are like uh, like three to four years into the league that I think are probably going to be looking to switch scenery. And I think the best is yet to come for those guys. Yeah, I think Jermaine was in a much different spot than Victor was when they both were dealt, right? Because oh, yeah. Victor had already signed another contract, yeah. but it wasn't. He was like a four-year, $80 million deal. Jermaine was just trying to get off the bench. You know? Right. So I'm trying to think of a guy that would have been around that $20 million mark that you thought maybe, hey, with a new role, he could come here and do something. But I'm drawing a blank right now. Um, you know, I, I, I still – I really can't think of anybody. I'll have to get back with you on that. But I, I think – you know, a guy like Tyrese Maxey, we never really talk about the Sixers guys that much, but, you know, Tyrese Maxey is a guy that if you could get him on your hands, you know, that'd be someone you might want to invest in. I don't think he's necessarily going to be on uh, affordable or uh, available to get from Philadelphia unless they get a massive point guard back. But I think he's an intriguing player as well. Um, there's just not a ton out there right now that I'm just like sold on in terms of that I think could be available and could become stars. So it's uh, it's tough, but I do understand the Bagley comparison because, you know, Bagley was the number two overall pick. The, he's kind of giving me some of those Derek Williams vibes, right? From, uh, yeah, you don't from, want to be that. Right, from Arizona. Like everybody thought this guy's got the potential to be something great, and he never really panned out. I mean, Evan Turner even had some moments in the NBA, right, but nothing that was great. So uh, this is a tough question. I'll have to get back to you on the Victor Oladipo side because I think there could be some players out there that are – Maybe they've re-signed, but they still haven't like found their niche with their current current group, if that makes sense, Foch. Um, and, and could be could be dealt and become a come another player that takes the next step. But let's move on here to our one question from Facebook. This comes from a good friend of the show, Shay Orr. He said, between Miles and Domas, who has a better chance of signing another contract with the Pacers if not traded? Uh, I think I'm going to go Sabonis. This isn't an easy question to, to answer, but I would just say that I think like the Pacers would be more likely to commit big money to Sabonis. And he knows his role as a top one to two guy on this team compared to Miles, who after seven years with the team, I, I think he probably knows he'll probably never be a top three option here consistently. And I think he might want to spread his wings elsewhere. I think the Sabonis contract offer uh, could be too much to turn down from the Pacers compared to maybe what other teams might be willing to offer. While I think Turner's offers might be more consistent across the board. Yeah, I mean, I think Kevin Pritchard kind of showed his hand a little bit too when he said, you know, come the end of his contract, he'll have a lot of suitors. It's like, <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> like, like oh, what man. was the point of saying that? Like, you know. could have just like left it, let it be like, yeah, we know there's a lot of people that call about Miles Turner all the time as a really good player. 
um, but we want to keep him here. Like you could have just kept it simple like that, but instead he just kind of let that just slide right on by there. And I think people were frustrated by what he said about it, but you know, at the same time, Turner's name has been in trade rumors a lot while he probably does like Indiana and likes community and likes being liked here by fans. If they don't trade Sabonis, he's not going to want to be here. I mean, that's just the bottom line. He he can BS all he wants about how he loves the city and loves this team and all he wanted was real clarity. No, he, he clearly wants him to make a decision. He wants a bigger role, and I just don't see him getting that role here. But then again, no matter where he goes, I don't necessarily see him being more than just a role player. Uh, sorry to say it. I just can't envision it. Um, but he might be playing – the solo five minutes more and he might just be comfortable playing that because right now, basically on offense, he's like a seven foot shooting guard. Yeah, no, he is. And I, I just think at this point, he's already had, you know, signed a, a contract. It's like a four year, $72 million deal. He's got all the money that he really technically needs. I would imagine if, if you're looking at offers that are similar and one of those offers enables you to be that sole center, a guy getting far more touches, I think miles would probably take that risk and want to spread his wings and be, quote, maybe the guy or the big and give it a shot. Yeah, and just one more real quick thing. I think the only reason you might have some issues with Sabonis not re-signing is, one, if you don't get a team around him or players to go with him to compete for playoff, uh, complete compete in the playoffs. If, if this team continues to be a tough out or whatever you want to call it, a first-round exit, I could see Domas saying, hey, I don't want to be stuck here in purgatory with this treadmill of mediocrity. Let's go somewhere where we can actually have a chance to compete. Now, I just don't know what the price tag is going to be for Domas and free agency and what's going to get him away uh, because he's got a really sweet gig here with his role, right? So, I mean, uh, there's not a lot of teams that build around centers like Sabonis who aren't MVP level style. So um, it's, uh, it's kind of an interesting thing, but I think right now I would lean – more Domas than Miles, just because I think Miles uh, is more than ready for a change of scenery. But let's move on to our Reddit questions. This comes from uh, Novelty Status, question 19 here. He said, what's up with Herb and KP issuing directly contradicting statements? Did Herb get cold feet already? I, I think he got cold feet in terms of that. I think if it's up to Pritchard, he he would make more moves. He would make a move, try maybe – Maybe it's rebuilding or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, it's Herb's call. And I think that was clearly, you know, exemplified in terms that Herb said, uh, if we want to build on the fly, then Kevin will. A.K.A. is pretty much saying he'll do what I tell him to do. Yeah, I mean, if you guys listen to the first episode of the Mailbag on Monday that we put out, I think you'll see here why um, why this all happened the way it did and why it seems like there's contradicting statements. Um Quite frankly, Kevin Pritchard's going to do what Herb wants him to do. That's all he really can do because his hands are semi-tied to the owner signing off on everything. But I don't think Herb's going to completely be like, hey, you can't make trades. So um, I just think the wording of the reporting from the athletic is what kind of got this whole thing mixed up. And it just makes it seem confusing. Like if nobody talks and just lets it be after they had their conversations, it's not a big deal. But I also think the reason that this whole entire article came out is because they knew that Miles Turner's article was coming out and they knew how it would be perceived. Turner wants out. So to get ahead of that, they came out and said, hey, we're looking to make trades after this team had just had a gut-wrenching loss to the Miami Heat, right? So it, it makes a lot of sense, Fachi, why <laughs> everything happened the way it did. But 
Herb Simon, I don't think he's getting cold feet. I just don't think he wants to be viewed as an owner that signs off on a team pulling a Sam Hinkie, which we know multiple GMs around the NBA and owners around the NBA scoffed and hated the fact that Philadelphia was just throwing away season after season. Yeah, I mean, definitely, especially at that time. I mean, no one was really doing that. I think that if everything worked out in Philly, they would have actually (laughs) done it perfectly. But I know they had a little bit of rough luck with Markel Fultz and now Ben Simmons, but they almost completed the perfect rebuild. Just it got ugly first. Yeah, no, it did. And, uh, you know, they've made some good moves and made some – they've actually really turned things around. But at the same time, they still don't have that championship and they've only I don't think they made it out of the second round yet either, Fox. No, so. no, they were close to the conference finals, but couldn't get there. <laughs> all right, so I mean, good thought. Got them some great players though, and I think that's all fans really care for is just having the guy on your roster, and they do have that in Joe Embiid. But let's move on. Colin Air he asked last week. Tim McMahon reported that Carlisle liked Donovan Mitchell and was upset the Mavericks front office selected Dennis Smith Jr. instead, leading to locker room dysfunction. Assuming he had some say in the drafting of Chris Duarte, how do you feel about the Pacers' ability uh, to find talent in the late lottery moving forward? Should Carlisle be the primary decision maker given KP's spotty draft history? Look, I would just say it's obvious from the start that Carlisle has really liked Chris Duarte and Isaiah Jackson. From the very beginning, he's raved about them. How much influence did he have on those picks? I'm not sure to the exact extent, but I would imagine that he did have some sort of influence. Um, Sure, for Pritchard, there was picks that were later that didn't really pan out, specifically like 18th overall, TJ Leaf over John Collins. I mean, that was a massive swing and miss. I don't think any of us will ever really get over that. Then the Goga pick was just puzzling at the time because you had Turner and Sabonis who were young entering their primes, like, like, you know, truly their primes. Uh, and then later on, you, you pick Cassius Stanley, like 54th overall. You never really gave him a chance. I mean, just one and done. I think they should have got him into a little bit more games last year. So Pritchard's draft history, not great. They also traded a first-round pick for Malcolm Brogdon in there. So he didn't really get a chance there. But those picks have also been slated to be like 18th or 20th. So they haven't been as high as 13th overall like this year. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a talent that's come out of the draft in that range of the Pacers were drafting. Oh, yeah. Um, but I will say this, it's not just Kevin Pritchard that's making the final call on this. Sure, he might be the guy that gets pinned for drafting X player, but it's a collection of scouts that say to draft this player. It's your it's your owner, it's your GM, it's you know, Kelly and Chad and everybody kind of agreeing, hey, this is the guy we want. I mean, you guys have seen it when it comes to the NFL. The Colts have done a great job with how they all talk about it, where Reich might think this guy and Ballard thinks this and their scouts think this and their owner thinks that. Like, it is not just a one-person conversation that happens. So you're really trying to sell whoever is making that decision. I guess it's Pritchard. He's trying to sell everybody or convince everybody, hey, let's select this guy. And if they're all on board, that's what happens. But I do think that having the voice of Rick Carlisle and there, someone that's seen a ton of talent, I would trust his judgment. And I think that's partially what happened with Chris Duarte is they liked him. They knew Golden State really liked him. They knew there was teams calling up about him. Um, LeBron James said that he wasn't going to be there when they when the Lakers drafted in the 20s, and LeBron was right. Um, the Pacers took Isaiah Jackson with that pick, actually. So it's just you, you think about it, and I think ultimately Carlisle should not be the primary decision maker, but he should have strong influence 
on that coaching staff, on that front office, on the, on the, uh, the scouting, on the scouting staff of, of being able to evaluate talent when they come in for workouts. But uh, let's move on, Fachi. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Question 21 from Strawberry Love. Do you think the Pacers wish they would have extended Brogdon sooner so they can move him before the deadline? Having him available in trades could have helped us maybe net Ben Simmons. I like the podcast, guys. Keep up the good work. Yeah, honestly, I can't imagine the option that the Pacers would have if Brogdon was eligible to be traded because he is having a good season. He fits so many different teams, and I think this would have allowed the Pacers to have just a ton of trade options when the time comes, I think it was a great price to re-sign him at. I mean, he's not even making any more money than what he's making now. I think it's actually like a, a minor drop-off, like 500K or something like that. Uh, it still stays in that $22 million range. But the amount of minor injuries that add up for Brogdon do worry me, and I feel like he would be a fantastic third option on a winning team instead of being like the 1A to 1B option on the Pacers. Yeah, no um... – <laughs> When I answer this question, I, I like Brogdon. I really do. But do I think he's a long-term answer for this team? I really don't. I don't either. I, I mean, you, you got to be able to keep good players around. He's been good. Um, I'm going to go back and reference the Hoop Collective because I just listened to it this weekend. And Brian Windhorst said that he actually made some calls. And when he asked about Malcolm Brogdon, he said there was some GMs that were completely out on, on Brogdon. So, I definitely think that if he would have been available, uh, if he would have been available, that there would have been teams that did call for him. Sure about it. I just don't know if that would have been Philadelphia to get Ben Simmons. So we heard the little rumblings at the beginning of the season. 
that they threw that trade idea out there just to kind of start working on a framework of something. And it was turned down by Philadelphia. I mean, with how many rumors are thrown out there nowadays, you don't really know what to believe, but I do think the Pacers have made calls. There's been reporting on that, that they have called around to see what the value is of their players, what they could maybe be, maybe get with some of the guys they want to move. But uh, ultimately just because Brogdon can't be traded by this deadline does not mean he cannot be moved in the off season where I think you could possibly see more trades happen because we know this free agency class is a very bit weak fudge. Yeah, it really is. So I definitely think that Brogdon is going to be appealing. Um, plus if things don't work out, you know, maybe what if the Pacers potentially did, I mean, I would say what if they did try and shut him down a little bit to make sure there was no like big, you know, long-term injury that happens, but they just don't have anyone at point guard behind him. So yeah, especially with it, McConnell out. So exactly. It, it's it's tough. So you gotta just hope that Brogdon can just stay healthy. Um, but yeah, just like you mentioned, I don't see him even coming close to finishing out this new contract extension. I mean, I'm not Masters. I'm not saying that he couldn't. I just think that it just depends on what they go. I mean, if they can't find a point guard, then he's gonna probably finish it out. But I, I could see them moving him, obviously, if the right price is there. Nobody on this team is safe, in my opinion. Uh, not even Chris Duarte. I think he's probably one of the safest guys on this team after this season's up, Fudge. But I, ju I just don't know. I mean, Brogdon's a – he's really a hard player to figure out because so many fans are, like, up and down with him. And I, I just – I'm not sure. But let's move on. We've got a few more questions here. Uh, this comes from I'm at the Poke Stop. And he said, are you as surprised as I am about how little Torrey Craig is playing, Fadji? I really am. Honestly, I, I am surprised because when the Pacers rushed to sign him, when Alex, when you and I were doing a live podcast on free agency day, um, I mean, he was signed within the first hour. And I thought to myself, wow, they must have big plans for, for Torrey Craig. Like, I was like, is he going to start for us? Or is he going to be, like, the seventh man on the roster behind, like, the starters of McConnell? But it looked like early on he played, like, 28 minutes in, like, the opening night. And then after that it was just, like, a few minutes lower, a few minutes lower, a few minutes lower. And then you saw him, A, either, like, not get into games or, B, play, like, six, seven minutes. So I, I thought they would have had bigger plans for uh, Torrey Craig this year for sure. I mean, maybe a little bit, but I'm not surprised by how little he's playing because I think that you and I both believe in O'Shea Brissett and the yeah. future of him way more than Torrey Craig. And Carlisle did come out recently and say that they're kind of similar players and he doesn't play them a lot. And we saw Torrey Craig getting O'Shea's spot in that rotation. But since they reinserted O'Shea back into the rotation, you have noticed that O'Shea's been much more productive than Torrey Craig. Now you're going to lose some on the defensive side with O'Shea Brissett compared to Torrey Craig, but at the same time, O'Shea brings a little bit more versatility on the offensive end. So the Pacers with that second unit, they need more offensive playmaking, uh, which I don't really think O'Shea's that guy, but they need guys to hit shots for the playmaking that's made by Lavert, Brogdon, Sabonis, whoever's running the point or running the offense and being that initiator. So um, Torrey Craig is not a good three-point shooter. We've hit on that. Torrey Craig is a more of a defensive-minded guy. He was brought in here basically thinking to get more playing time with T.J. Warren down. But I just, you know, I'm not really surprised. But ultimately, um, the fact they signed him so quickly, it made you feel like, okay, well, there's probably – I always thought it was going to take Goga's minutes, right? I never thought it was going to be Brissett's. But then it, be, then it came down to those two. But I'm just – I'm just glad now that we're seeing Brissett much more than, than Torrey Craig because I personally don't think 
Torrey Craig is that big of a difference maker for this team? I don't. I hoped he would have, but it, it just hasn't worked out that way. I mean, we've been looking for that guy who can guard some wings for a while. And, you know, obviously he was known for being kind of like a, not like a three and D guy, but at least a, a good defender. Um, and then it just kind of, it just hasn't really translated this year as you hoped. Yeah, maybe he's a guy you can move at the deadline. Um, I think he'd be an intriguing piece to move to a team that could maybe use a, a wing defender and maybe see what you can get for him. But let's move on. Question 23 comes from 210 plus 210, which equals 420. Uh, that's not your name, but 210 plus 210 said, after a rocky tenure in Atlanta, how much does Lloyd Pierce mean to this team? Seems like this uh, seems like the guys like him, and he did a pretty good job in Carlisle's absence. I was thrilled to sign Lloyd Pierce, especially after last year when Bjorken could not lure pretty much any assistant to Indiana. So, look, he also has experience as an assistant in Cleveland, Golden State, Memphis, Philly. You know, you mentioned former head coach in Atlanta, won a gold medal with Team USA. This is a very credible coach to have on your bench. And I believe he went two and two in the four games with, you know, that rough blown loss to Golden State, which they should have won. So, I mean, him being able to coach this Pacers team past Golden State would have been great. But at the same point, I think he did everything he could really in that game. Just the Pacers couldn't execute at the end. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think getting Lloyd Pierce was huge for this team. And I think Rick Carlisle even hinted at the fact that he didn't think Lloyd would be hanging around Indiana much longer um, after maybe this year or next, just because there's going to be teams that want to hire him as their head coach. I mean, Lloyd's a smart guy. He's pretty laid back, pretty even kill. I think the players definitely respect him, one, for his work around the league and just two, just the way he handles things. And he said that he works only individually with Miles Turner, which I thought was interesting. I don't know if you caught that on the press game, uh, the post game press conference, but he did mention that he said, Miles is his guy that he works with in a lot of times. And, um, you know, I, I think that it's important for him to establish relationships with different people. So uh, we'll, we'll maybe see how they utilize him going forward. I know a lot of people were like under the impression, like, Hey, what if Carlisle's substance of the front office, could Lloyd Pierce be the head coach? Kevin Pritchard just got an extension, according to Scott Agnes in his article, on uh, his president of basketball operations contract. So Carlisle's not stepping into that role anytime soon unless Kevin Pritchard steps down for some reason. Um, but he did get an extension here. So I don't believe Lloyd Pierce is going to be the head coach. So if you're trying to hint at that, um, it would be very surprising to me. But at the end of the day, um, you know, if Pierce is here for the next three to four years and Carlisle does retire after his fourth year with the Pacers, I could see Pierce stepping into that role. Yeah, it would be very interesting. But, you know, like you mentioned, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Lloyd Pierce is not here for too long. I, I just think that he's going to have some opportunities. He will. It might not be yeah. just after one year, but maybe it's after two. Yeah, and I mean, you know coaches are going to get fired. This is the NBA. I mean, it's always the coach's fault when the players don't show up and uh, the the front office does a terrible job of putting their rosters together. Um, looking over in uh, New Orleans right now at David Griffin and how he's just completely deteriorated that entire New Orleans offense and that New Orleans roster. Uh, just a complete joke what he's done down there. But uh, last question, and this is probably not going to interest any Pacer fans, but it comes from Bubba T. Flubbas, who said, can you clarify to me why Jokic isn't being talked about in the MVP race? Can't guys win the award two years in a row? Zach Lowe mentioned he should be in the conversation, but Kendrick Perkins and Richard Jefferson mocked him and said that, does, that he doesn't belong in the KD-Steph conversation. He also said, sorry for the non-related Pacers question. 
just nothing too much to talk about with them right now. So uh, we're going to get your NBA knowledge here, Faji. Tell me a little bit about Jokic. Sure. I think the media is definitely suffering from voter fatigue. I feel like when it comes to a guy like Jokic, it's like, all right, he got his. Now now let's move on. The Nuggets aren't that sexy team to talk about. I mean, when you think about KD and Curry, I mean, these are the guys that could go off for 50. And I I believe they both have done it this year. And also, to give them credit, they do have their teams at the top of their conference. So Nuggets, they're 15 and 14 right now. But for Jokic, you can make an argument that he's potentially having a better year than he was last year. I mean, in some different categories, uh, scoring, he's 0.1 beneath you where he was last year. Uh, field goal percentage, it's up 2.4%. Uh, from three, he's still shooting 38%. Last year, he was closer to 39. Rebounding-wise, he's averaging almost three more rebounds per game. Like, Jokic is having a really, really good year, and I just feel like it really isn't being talked about. So I get it. All the conversation is about KD and Steph for now. Yeah, I mean, Katie and Steph are just more popular around the league, and I think that's why if there was a fan vote, they'd win the MVP. But, man, Jokic is so good, Fachi. I oh, mean, yeah. this guy is a superstar-level player, and defensively he's gotten better too. So not only has the defense been better with Jokic on the floor, Jokic just makes everybody around him so much better. Like, we talk about how Sabonis makes people better around him. That's like – times a thousand with Jokic, right? I mean, Jokic is a better shooter. He's better at getting to the rim. Uh, (laughs) It's rough. He's, he's better at like everything. I mean, honestly, (laughs) it's like to call Sabonis a poor man's Jokic sounds like a diss, but it's not. I mean, really they're similar. It's a diss to Jokic. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. But I mean, it's like they're similar, but Jokic just across the board just does everything like 20% better. It feels like. Yeah, and if you guys saw that Zach Lowe clip that did go viral a little bit on Twitter talking about all the numbers, I mean, he listed the the plus minus with Jokic on the floor versus Jokic off the floor, and the numbers are just – its I, I mean, it's just ridiculous, Fache. The numbers are just so drastically different with Jokic on the floor. I mean, this team lives and breathes by what Jokic does. Um, clearly, you know, it would be kind of similar to Westbrook getting the MVP, I guess, but – Jokic isn't padding his stats, right? Jokic is actually out there doing everything he can. So, um, but yeah, I, I definitely think he belongs in the conversation. But, you know, Steph Curry, man, this year has been all about him breaking that record and the Warriors being unbelievable. So I think he's got to be the front runner, but Jokic should definitely be in that conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, if Jokic had uh, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. out there, I feel like their record would be better. But just like what Curry's doing this year, I, I think it's got the whole league, you know, really watching. But also, we've even heard it more like it's it's been like slipped up or it's been out there. Like ESPN has to talk about their certain guys, like for their ratings and everything. And, and I think Jokic, unfortunately, is, is like I mentioned, not the sexiest of names compared to Steph Curry or Kevin Durant. And I mean, it's just that's how it is. It's not right. But uh, at least last year he did win MVP. Yeah, and I mean, you know what, Giannis has been a guy that definitely, I think there was some voter fatigue with him, same with, you know, guys like James Harden, people got tired of watching him play, I mean, everybody just gets voters fatigue, but these guys are special basketball players, and it's a joy to watch them whenever I get the chance to, but Fachi, that wraps up our part two of the mailbag, so... Where can the people find us at on social media? So you could find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You could find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. 
You could find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You could find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. And you could find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And if you have not already seen the tweet we put out, Spotify is now allowing you to rate podcasts. So I don't believe you can leave a review yet, but you can leave a five-star rating. We've already gotten a few of those. Thank you so much for that feedback. But if you haven't already and you listen to us on Spotify, head on over, give us a five-star rating and review. Um, And on Apple Podcasts as well, you guys have done a fantastic job with that. We are like 10 to 12 away from reaching our 175 down uh, total reviews and ratings goal that we're trying to get to to give you guys those packages that we talked about earlier on. So make sure you tell a friend at Christmas, tell a family member, hey, you should go give Setting the Pace a five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. And then send us that screenshot to the email so we can re-enter your name or your friend's name, whatever, family member's name, and we'll get you in that drawing. But... Enough rambling for me, Fachi. If you're excited to see the Pacers on national TV against the Miami Heat on Tuesday night in Miami, say these three words. Let's go Pacers! Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.